Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Alexis. We had five kids in seven years. People think we're crazy, and sometimes we think they might be right. But most of the time, we love it. We hope this is a place where you can learn to be a better parent, but without taking yourself too seriously. Whether you're a new parent or have a few years under your belt, we hope you can find something new to think about. Or laugh about. After all, this is Parenting in Real Life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 58 of Parenting in Real Life. We have been a little busy. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> feel like we've been a lot of busy. <laughs> been a lot of busy. So we're sorry. And I feel like we're going to be a lot of busy for like the next month. So hopefully we can still keep podcasting. But yeah. things are getting crazy. And things are always crazy for us. So you know when we say that, it's for real. <laughs> But our real-life parenting moment, some of the crazy, the most recent crazy, is um, my grandma, who was 99 and a half years old, passed away a couple weeks ago. And so we had a funeral, but they called it a celebration of life for my grandma this past weekend. Now, I don't know if we've shared about, probably have. We probably talked about my grandma a little bit, but she was amazing. So we wanted to do a little shout out to her and and do a real life parenting moment in honor of her from her. She was the mother of 13 kids. She had them all natural one at a time. And so she had kids in college when she was still having kids. Yeah. It's crazy to think about. Um, It was like 20 years, 20 some odd years she was having kids. My uncle who spoke talked about how she was dealing with the stress of having kids in college and hormonal teenagers and toddlers all at the same time. So whatever stage of life you're in right now, picture doing all of the stages at the same time. And that's what she did. Pretty incredible. But they told some cool stories, um, some of which I knew, some I didn't. But one that stood out to me that I thought all of you could relate to is laundry feels like a never-ending chore as a parent. You can imagine with 13 kids what that would be like. The way my grandma handled that is they said that she would go to the laundromat at 5.30 in the morning twice a week, and she would do 20 loads of laundry at the same time. She would go when it was empty so she could use every washing machine and every dryer in the whole place, and she would wash everything at the same time and dry everything at the same time so that she could get it done, because otherwise she would have spent her whole life doing laundry, literally. (laughs) Like never-ending laundry. (laughs) Literally. So that, that was her solution, which is... Smart for one, right? Like there would be advantages to that, but also just crazy. The like the extent she had to go to to just get simple things like laundry done. Yeah, I she had so many great qualities and was just a really positive, happy person, and so many great stories about her. One of my favorite stories was just one <laughs> to show like when parenting doesn't go quite right, which I always appreciate those, which is why we do these parenting in real life moments, <laughs> but. But she was fantastic. But one of her sons shared a story. I can't. I couldn't hear the whole thing because it was we were all eating dinner and my kids were running around. But the extent of it was he was doing something silly and in the kitchen and it was bothering her. So she swiftly kicked his bottom and to get him out of the kitchen. Right. Well, it turns out that she had broken her foot from kicking his bottom, and she he said that she was too proud to go to the doctor because. You know, they'd be like, so how'd you break your foot? And you'd have to tell them, 
kicking my son. <laughs> so she hobbled around for a little while while her, cause her foot was broken. But I appreciate that story. Cause I love all of hearing all the good things and the great things about um, her and you know, all the awesome things that she did, but it's nice to hear those stories. Sometimes you know, you're not alone. <laughs> Even superheroes are real. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's great. She, she, uh, she was incredible and you had to be, but she also was human. Right. And, had all the things we all have. So it wasn't like she was, had something we don't, right? She just worked really hard and got stuff done, mm -hmm. but wasn't perfect. Yep. Incredible uh, legacy to leave on to all the tanners and something thing we could talk about our kids about too. So pretty awesome. So sometimes we share something we're loving. One thing we're not loving <laughs> is... <laughs> We just got back from Chick-fil-A, which generally big fans of. We do like Chick-fil-A. <laughs> My only beef with Chick-fil-A is that everybody else likes it. <laughs> and tonight was, I don't know if your schools do this, but they have like a school fundraiser night. So you go to this restaurant and everybody else in the school is supposed to go to the restaurant at the same time, which might work at some places sometimes, but it is free chicken nugget week at Chick-fil-A plus this school night. So this place was exploding. It was ridiculous. Like we got up to the front of the line and the kids like, is that to go or to stay? And we're like, can we stay? And he's like, no, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's well, like, it's pretty crazy. Appreciate the honesty. So great to have fundraisers for your school because they need it. But I've never had a fundraiser for the school that I don't hate super bad <laughs> i just would like to look at the numbers like is it really worth doing these restaurant ones like are you making a lot of money off that because usually they get like maybe like 10 percent. that'd be like four bucks i'm like if you just ask me for four bucks i'll give you four bucks instead of having to take my kids to chick-fil-a when it's crazy crowded but we may be weird well no we're definitely weird <laughs> well we, <laughs> we do have a lot of kids and not everyone has so many kids maybe can, yes. and young kids and maybe the older kids handle it a little bit better but yeah that was fun <laughs> funish so last week on our podcast i did my mini episode and i talked about a word of the year um and i got some comments on instagram people shared that their word of the year um so i just wanted to share those real fast if you were still thinking about that so as a reminder mine is gather and i've been working really hard on that it's been going really well um, a couple others that were shared are bold, self-care, growth, and deliberate. So I thought those were good. So if you're still um, trying to think of how you want to live this year and maybe you're thinking of a word, um, you can go back to that last episode and listen to that. Or here's a couple of good ones too. Now we're going to take a quick break. So our discussion today is our last installment of How to Talk So Little Kids Will Listen, um, which is by Joanna Faber and Julie King. So we, this is our fourth episode on this. We broke it up into, there's four main chapters. So we did a chapter each time. So if you want to go back and listen to the first three chapters, that's episode 53, 55, and 56. So today we're going to be talking about chapter four, and this is the last main portion of it. So today's topic is tools for praise and appreciation, ways to praise that will help not hinder. So what they talk about is that research shows that it's not the amount of praise we give, but how we give it that makes the difference. Um, and I think we've talked about this before. So some mm -hmm. of these things we've talked about, if you praise results versus effort, that's not good, but mm -hmm. we'll get into it. Yeah. 
So the, the thing is that they kind of ask is like, what are you trying to accomplish when we offer our children praise? And most people will probably say something like, I want to help them identify as their strengths or encourage them or help them feel confident or even help them try a little bit harder. Unfortunately, when we are using evaluating words like you are great or smart or beautiful or wonderful, it often has the opposite effect. It can cause you to focus on your weaknesses rather than your strengths. Or we can wonder if they're actually being sincere or it can feel dismissive or question whether they're even aware of like what's happening. Because, you know, like if if the kid is very aware that they're not doing well and you tell them you're doing great, they're like, are they even paying attention? Like I'm not. I'm not doing well, you know, we think we're trying to encourage them, but in reality, they, they know they're not doing well. And then they, mm. they question your judgment. And sometimes kids will just uh, give up completely and there's too much pressure and they can feel that judgment when we're using these evaluating words, even when they're good words. So the one thing that they said is that the very first rule of praise is that it's not always appropriate to praise. So when you see a kid is engaged in an activity, you don't need to disturb their concentration by looming over them or commenting on their actions. Just let them do what they're doing. And then if they do ask you for a praise, you know, they want to show you something or ask how they're doing or whatever, then we have these tools to do it the appropriate way. Yep. So the first one is to describe what you see. You can describe their picture if they call you a picture. Um, my mom is great at this, especially in the early years when you can't tell what they're drawing. <laughs> You can ask them to tell you about it, and that shows interest, right? And you can express praise that way. You can say what they put away. You put your socks away, great. Or, you know, describe what they did. Um, describe the behavior you liked. You slowed down when you before you crossed the street, whatever it is. You did it also works. Help them realize they accomplished something. Use those in place of good job, excellent work. Good job following directions. That's a beautiful picture. Nice try. Okay, number two is describe the effects on others. So we, it's similar to the one before. You just want to describe what they're doing. So instead of saying, you're a good girl, so there you're evaluating, you want to use um, something like, hey, you carried those groceries bags all the way to the kitchen. That was a big help. Or instead of saying, you are the best big brother, you can say, the baby loves it when you make those funny faces. I see a big smile on her face. So you're just describing the situation and what they're doing to affect those people rather than telling them they're good or amazing or the best Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, I think this is especially helpful for those kids who may be struggling to do good. So instead of calling them good, hoping them, like for me, I feel like calling my kid good, maybe that will help them believe that they're good, but that doesn't always work. So instead talk about when they do good things rather than labeling them as good. Just say, Hey, that was great when you did this, or Mm -hmm. you were super helpful today when you did this, you know? Um, I think we have one kid in particular who kind of struggles to be doing the right thing. And they give an example in the book about a kid just like this. And they were describing it. I'm like, ah, that is my kid. (laughs) And, but they said that when they tried to tell them like, oh, they were so great today at this, that they made sure to say, no, I was bad. I did these things and pointed out all the terrible things that they were doing. And so that's where it can kind of backfire is if you have a kid respond in that way. And so that way, when you say, oh, this kid was super helpful doing this, then they can be, oh yeah, I did do that. And maybe even chime in about other things that they've done well, too. And it just kind of helps them see the good things they have done rather than trying to tell them that they're good. Mm -hmm. 
Interesting. So it's partially being more specific, right? Like getting into what they're doing well or not well, but also like, like they said, get rid of those evaluating words, right? Is that what they call it? Yes. Evaluating words. The third thing they talk about is describing effort. And so this is kind of what I was referring to before. Um, They studied two groups of people or kids on a sheet of math problems. And one group, they told that they're smart and the other, they told that they worked really hard. Then they asked if they would like to try a more challenging worksheet in the smart group, the group that they said, man, you're sure smart. You did so well on this. That group said, no, they were less likely to say, yeah, bring it on. The hard workers said yes, because they've been rewarded for working hard, not being smart. And so I think that's really interesting because it's kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. You want, as a parent, you want to tell your kid they're smart and they're good looking and they're, you know, all of these things because partially you think they are right. And part of it is because you want them to feel that way. Yeah. I think you're like, Oh, you're so smart. You think if you tell someone that they're, they're going to keep doing harder things because they're smart, but it's more of like, I'm going to stay ahead while I'm ahead. Right. If I do challenging things, I might not be think that I'm smart anymore if I can't do it. Right. So that way, if you're saying you're a hard worker, that even if they don't do well, it's okay because they worked hard and they can mm-hmm. accept that better. You know? right. I found this true in myself. Mm-hmm. I always excelled in math and I was told that I was good at math and I believed I, that I was. And But when I got to college, I avoided all math classes. I think I was just afraid that I wasn't going to do well because now I was even you know on a higher level of math and I think I was afraid I was going to not do well even though I knew I was good at math. And so in the school that I went to, if you did language courses, that replaced the math requirements. So I did those instead. But looking back now, I wish I would have done more math classes because I, I do enjoy math. And I feel like I could have challenged myself. I was just afraid that I wouldn't do well, so I didn't do it. Yeah. I also think the, the Chinese are really good at this. Um, I was just reading a book called Little Soldier, and it's about um, an American family and the the mom is Chinese, but she was raised in America and then go back to China and put their kids in the school system and just kind of, she did a lot of research about education, um, especially in China. Um, but what's interesting about them is that they don't really believe that people are just naturally smart. They believe that if someone's not doing well, it's because they're not working hard enough. So they always just make sure like, oh, we'll just keep working harder. You know, if they're, if their kid's struggling in school, they just need to work harder. Right. So it's not, a natural thing. I feel like in the United States, we kind of feel like being smart is a natural thing. Yeah. You and, just are, you aren't. Yeah. And that even though you work hard, that doesn't mean you're going to do better. You know, mm-hmm. I just think it's a, it's interesting just between the two cultures, how, yeah, just how we, we think of working and intelligence. Yep. My family was having a conversation about something sort of related to this recently. And um, we were talking about guilt versus shame. And one of the things they talked about my sister shared was that when you say things like you're good or you're bad, it's essentially telling kids and we do this to ourselves too, but it's telling that person that they are something right. That they either are a good person or they are a bad person. It's, it's a label. It's a a permanent thing about yourself. But what you should say is, or, and even what you should think is I made a bad choice or I made a good choice, right? We aren't, these things, we have this competing tug of war inside of ourselves. This We talk with our kids about the good wolf versus the bad wolf. We have these two competing forces inside of us, 
part of us wants to be good and part of us wants to be bad. And we all have that. And so saying you're bad or you're good pretends that we don't have that struggle and that one side is who you are. Right. And so I think it's this kind of all ties together, right? Especially with behavior. It's so often like, don't be bad or stop, stop doing that bad thing instead of addressing the behavior itself. Right. Like it's not okay to do that to your brother or I really love it when you make faces at your brother and make him laugh. So. Okay. And the fourth one is describe progress. They talk about using or noticing three positive things before you mention the negative things. So if they're writing a paper and you can point out three things that they've done really well on their paper, and then you can correct the fourth thing. And we need to talk about it as needs to be done rather than what's wrong. Like saying, oh, you did this wrong. Hey, we need to fix this, you know. And sometimes acknowledging feelings can be more helpful than praise. So if they give an example, like when a kid is upset that they can't draw something. So say they're trying to draw a bike and they just can't draw a bike. Um, So acknowledge their feelings. You can then suggest something that they can draw or just acknowledge those feelings that, yes, drawing a bike is really hard and that's super frustrating to you know, get something like that on paper and then see if they try again, either trying the bike again, or maybe they switch on their own to something else that's more simpler. But just acknowledging those feelings um, is sometimes better than trying to to praise them through it. Um, and then with this, you can kind of, you can give your child a new picture of themselves. So, you know, you can tell them about themselves, things you know about them or examples of things that they've done before in the past. Like, you know, your child really well, so you can help them kind of see themselves as they really are rather than how they're perceiving themselves right then. Um, and then the last couple tips that they gave were to resist the urge to praise by comparison. Oh, like, oh, you're so good at tying your shoes. Your sibling can't do that yet. You know, like, don't. Don't compare them to their younger siblings who can't quite do the skills yet. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm more often guilty of comparing bad behavior to siblings. Like, you're four years older than them. You should be able to do this. Right? Like, that's not a fair comparison either. Yeah. So. I've definitely done that too. <laughs> so don't do that. So that wraps up the four chapters, the four main chapters of the book. They have There's a chapter five, um, and that's for tools with kids who are, it says, differently wired. So modifications for kids with autism and sensory issues. So if you have a child like that, I would suggest going in and reading that chapter. Um, also, the last chapter talks about conditions under which the tools won't work. So th- just some different things that you can look into if you want to read this book. So quick wrap up. When you're praising, the first rule is it's not always appropriate to praise. When it is time to praise, you should describe what you see and describe that ef- the effect that it's having on others. So you put your shoes away and, man, that makes me happy because the house is so clean. Um, and then describe effort. You work so hard on that project or you tried so hard to be nice or whatever it is. And then describe progress. Help them see that they're doing good things, right? So if you need to say something negative, make sure to say three positive things. When you do talk about negatives, talk about what needs to be fixed, not the problems that you see. Stay positive-oriented. And that's it. So next time, we're going to have to come up with something else. (laughs) We're out of book. That was four solid episodes. (laughs) Stinks to be you, Lex. (laughs) Got my... uh research ahead of me. That's right. All right. Bye.